Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. All right, let's turn in our Bibles to Luke 23. Praise God. Luke chapter 23. We do have one more announcement. Peace University begins tonight at 5.30. That'll be in the banquet room, so I encourage you to be a part of that. 5.30, Peace University tonight. Luke 23 and verse 33 reads this way. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. This represents the conservative and the liberal. The right wing and the left wing. I heard a preacher say one time, he said, you know, I hear a lot of talk about the right wing and the left wing. You know what I'm concerned about is the bird. (laughs) I'm concerned about the bird, aren't you? They shall mount up with wings as the... Verse 39, and one of the malefactors, which was hanged, railed on him saying, This is the left wing. If thou be Christ, save yourself and us. You see, the left wing thinks that God hasn't done anything for them. And they just want something from him. They don't want to give anything to him. But the right wing answered and said this, don't you fear God? seeing you are in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing amiss. And he said, Jesus, he's still speaking here, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. See, we need to have a good fear of God. We have a great fear of men. But we don't have a strong enough fear of God. And if we don't get right, thank you. She didn't have a microphone, so I'll say it again. If we don't get right, we're gonna get left. Anybody here wanna be left? See, I'm moving you to the right. Because I want you to be right with God. You wanna know how to get to heaven? Turn right and go straight. That's how you get there. I wanna preach to you today on this subject. Which side of the cross are you on? Which side of the cross are you on? God bless you. You may be seated.
We've talked about the right side. We've talked about the left side. But I want to talk a little bit about the man hanging on the cross. Jesus' entire ministry was about giving. It was not about getting. How many here are trying to be Christians? We should be givers. Jesus gave healing. He gave compassion. He gave teaching. He gave his very life for you and for me on an old rugged cross. Philippians chapter two and verse seven says, he made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant. He was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Humility will come to every one of us. It's just a question of when. Now you have some options when it comes to humility. You can be humbled by others, and people are quick to humble the prideful people around them. Or you can be humbled by the Lord, because the Bible says every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The man on the right said, Jesus, Lord. Remember me. But the third option for humility is the best option. It's not having somebody else humble you. It's not having the Lord have to humble you. It's humbling yourself. Being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. That's the best option you have when it comes to humility is humbling yourself. Because if you don't, the other two are much more difficult. But Jesus was a man of humility. And even when people started to figure out who he was, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? When they start getting revelations as to who he is, he says, now don't tell anybody. Don't tell them who I am. He's humble. He does not want them to be aware. But I'm tipping my hand here a little bit. He doesn't want the enemy to be aware either. Because there's been a deal that's been made by God and Satan concerning the redemption of a soul. And that plan requires a perfect sacrifice and a blood sacrifice. And since there was no human being on earth that could meet those qualifications, God humbled himself. How humbling it is to be the great God of the universe and have to take on a human form. To come to the earth as a baby and have to be ministered to in all of the needs that a baby has. How humbling it is to be born in a barn on hay with the animals on a cold night. That doesn't sound like a royal birth to me. 
And everything about his ministry was giving and it was humility rather than saying, well, you know who I am? What have you got to offer me? He offered humility and he offered himself. And when Calvary came, when the day finally came to pay that great death, I want you to know that all hell broke loose at Calvary. Hell was not prepared for what was taking place on that day. To this point, we have 4,000 years of man's history and bondage to sin. 10 times the number of years that the Israelites were in bondage to Egypt. 4,000 years. But there was a collision at the cross. A collision of sin and a savior. A collision of the creator and the created. It took place on an old rugged cross. Oh, I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. I hope you never grow weary of those old songs with such deep meaning. It should mean so much to you to sing about the cross and to sing about Calvary because all hell broke loose that day. And when the final tally was in, the score was Savior won and sin nothing. Savior won and sin nothing. I'm thankful for a Savior today. I'm thankful for a God that is willing to humble himself and pay the supreme price for my sins. I'm glad he died for you too, but I need to take the cross personally. I need to have a personal savior, not a worldwide savior. Even on the cross, Jesus had a convert. Did you think of it that way? Even on the cross, he could have said, you know what? You got your problems and I got mine. But he ministered even on a cross. He was the centerpiece of Calvary that day. He was between the two malefactors because he is the center of peace. No Jesus, K-N-O-W, no peace. But no Jesus, N-O, no peace. I'm glad for peace today, aren't you? Peace which passes understanding. I wanna give you a few of the echoes of Calvary from Paul concerning the cross. Galatians 6 and 14 says, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. He glories only in the cross. He preaches Christ and him crucified. The cross was in the center of Paul's life. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18 says, the preaching of the cross 
is to them that perish foolishness. That's the left. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. That's the right. Verse 23 says, we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews, he's a stumbling block. Unto the Greeks, he's foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God. Christ, the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God, the power of God, all take place at the cross. They all meet together. And even truth, the Bible says, and mercy kissed at the cross. They kissed at the cross. So where is the cross in your life? Where's the cross in your life? Is it something that we come and take a look at on a Sunday morning? Well, let me give you a few examples, even at Calvary, of what people were looking at when it came to the cross. The soldiers stared at the cross. They stayed a ways back. They took his garment, they parted, you know, they said, well, should we part it or should we just gamble for it and, you know, hate to wreck it, so. But every once in a while, they'd look up at the cross and they'd stare at him. But they never talked with him. They never approached him. They never sought mercy from him. They never sought any forgiveness for their sins. They talked smart and cocky. Well, we'll see if he comes down. See how much power he has if he can overcome this garrison of soldiers, if he can pull himself off of those nails, we'll see. We're just gonna stand here and we're gonna watch. We still got a lot of people watching today. They stare at it, they don't see its meaning, they don't see its savior, they don't see the opportunity for a cross in their life. They just look at it. And that's as far as they go. But there's another group of people. There's Mary. I, I, I suppose I should give you the verse of scripture so you can see it. This is found in John 19, 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. Three Marys. They didn't just stand and stare. They made their way to the cross. All three of them. And they stood by the cross. I wonder if anybody is still willing to stand by the old rugged cross. I wonder if, if we're not gonna be a part of, and you know, we could be extremely critical here today. We could say at least they came and they stared, but it was only because they were being paid to stand there. What about the people that never came? What about the people that were too busy? The word was spread throughout Jerusalem that he was gonna be crucified that day. What about the people that had been healed by him? Where were they? What about the people that had been fed by him? Where were they? What about the people that had heard him preach 
and teach so eloquently and opened up their understanding to the scriptures. Where were they? They weren't even staring. They weren't even there. But here stood the three of them by the cross. I hope you don't get too far from the cross. I hope you don't drift from the cross. I hope there'll always be a cross in your life that you won't just stare at, but that hopefully you'll embrace the cross. Oh, the cross is so powerful. And the blood that was shed on that cross, it reaches to the highest mountain. And it flows to the lowest valleys. The blood that Jesus shed for me, it will never, never lose its power. It will never lose its power. Can you see him today? Can somehow, even in your mind, you can imagine him and his sufferings on the cross? Does the cross still prevail in your life? They stood by it. But we need to, folks, we need to embrace the cross. We need to remember who we were when we came to the cross. What about the woman with the issue of blood? Where did she find herself? At the feet of the one who died on the cross. I'm glad this is a taller cross today because we need to be at its lowest point, embracing it. Do you know what repentance is? Repentance is not staring at the cross. It's not even standing by the cross. It is embracing the cross. It's saying, Savior, I fear you. I've wronged you. You're the reason, I'm the reason that you're here today. You are dying for my sins. The things that I have said. The things that I have thought. The things that I have done. The things that I am so ashamed of that I can't even lift my voice and declare them out loud for fear that somebody else would hear me other than you. But you know. You know all these things. But I've never come to you in humility. I've never fallen at your feet at a cross. I've never said what needed to be said and to tell you how sorry I am. How ashamed I am. If there's ever anything I could ever do for you, Lord, after all you've done for me, just speak for your servant heareth. I want to turn my back on my old lifestyle, on all those things that I'm ashamed of. I'm seeking a new life. I want to die out to what I was. I want to be a different person. I want the old man to die alongside you 
on a cross. I embrace this cross. I will never forget Calvary. Take, eat, this is my body. It's broken for you. I won't forget that, Lord. Drink from this cup. It is the blood of the New Testament. I won't forget it, Lord. I won't forget, you warned us, this do as often as you do it in remembrance of me. I won't forget the cross. I won't forget the sacrifice. I won't forget the mercy. I embrace the cross. I hope you don't drift too far from Calvary. I hope you don't forget where you were, what you were when God found you, a glorified mud ball, a pig in a mire, a dog in its vomit. Oh Lord, don't let me stray too far from Calvary. Don't spare me the agony of Gethsemane. I might soon forget how you came and died for me. So don't let me stray too far from Calvary. Is the cross just something we wear? Or is it something we share? We have no right to brag about anything. But I asked you this question when I began this morning and I'm gonna ask it again. Which side of the cross are you on? I've talked about the left, I've talked about the right. I've talked about people that never came to even say thanks. I've talked about people that have stared. I've talked about people that have stood. But I'll tell you where I think I need to be. I need to be on the other side of the cross. The cross, listen to this now. The cross was behind Jesus. So it can be before us. behind Jesus so that it can be before us. You're gonna see the significance of that in just a minute. There was a man, maybe I need to lighten this a little bit. There was a man that couldn't decide which side of the war to get on. It was during the Civil War and he felt strongly about both sides. But he didn't want to fight for either. So he decided that he would put a pair of Yankee pants on and a Confederate shirt. But the Confederate shot him in the pants and the Yankee shot him in the shirt. You better decide which side you're gonna get on. No man can serve two masters. We're gonna to have to get on one side of this fence or the other. Otherwise, all you're ever gonna get is slivers by staying on a fence too long. Take a look at Exodus chapter 12. Let me connect the dots for you and bring this to a conclusion.
Exodus chapter 12 and verse 21. This is the Old Testament Calvary. Moses called for the elders of Israel and he said unto them, draw out, take a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. You shall take a bunch of hyssop, you will dip it in the blood that is in the basin, you will strike it on the lintel and the side posts of the blood that is, on the, that is in the basin, and none of it shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. Watch this. The first time that John the Baptist ever sees Jesus, he says, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Didn't even, it wasn't even introduced to him, but that's what he said about him. Because he is the New Testament Lamb. He's the New Testament Lamb. So they were to take the Lamb and drain the blood, and they were to put that blood on the doorpost, that would mean the top, and on the side post, which were called lintels. And when the Lord would pass over that night, he was looking for blood on the house. And if he saw the blood on the house, he would pass by without judgment. But if he didn't see any blood, he judged the house and the eldest died, the eldest son died. I wish we had even more blood on this cross. I wish you could see what it probably really looked like from his head to his arms, to his back and his sides and even his feet. Red, red, red. The sacrifice of Jesus saves us from our sins and allows him to pass over us because our bodies are to be the temple or the house of God's spirit. Do you know that inside of you, you're not like anything else that God ever created. You have something that nothing else that he ever created has. You have a soul. And that soul is eternal. And that soul is so precious to Jesus that if you were the only sinner in the world and the rest of us were all right with God, he would have went to Calvary for you alone. That's how valuable he sees you. That's how willing he is to give his life for you. I know that's hard for you to understand, but I pray that God impresses it on your soul today, that you are the most valuable thing that God has ever created, and he loves you more than all of creation itself. How much does he love me? Go back to Calvary. See him giving his life on the cross. How much does he love you? This much this much. Don't let me stray too far from Calvary. John 19 and 34. They were going to break his legs so that he couldn't ride the cross anymore. But they found he was already dead. And verse 34 says, but one of the soldiers 
with a spear, pierced his side, and forthwith there came out blood and water. Blood and water. Are you getting the connection here today? Are you understanding that the blood that Jesus shed on the cross was for your sins and mine? Do you understand that baptism in his name by immersion is the way that you can get on the other side of the cross? It's the way by which your sins can be remitted. Are you hearing that it's the blood and the water? They're connected. We can't get under the blood of the cross. We don't know where the cross is. We don't know where the blood is, but we know the one who shed the blood. We know his name and we know his plan for redeeming us. He said, except a man is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot see and he cannot enter the kingdom of God. When they asked, when, when Peter was preaching, I'm gonna give you a synopsis here rather than give you a Bible study. When Peter was preaching, the last part of his message said, and God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, embrace the cross. Embrace the cross, repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the plan. God's got a plan. And when we're baptized in Jesus' name, we're baptized in his blood and only his blood can remit our sins. All the good things you've ever done. I gotta stop here because I just feel that there's somebody here that maybe doesn't fully understand this. You can try and be a good person, and that's admirable. But if you can save yourself by your works, then this work wasn't necessary. But the fact of the matter is, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. And he said, I'll pay, I'll pay, I'll take your place. Because my death on a cross couldn't redeem me because of my imperfection. But there was found in him no fault at all. He was perfect. That's why his sacrifice was so necessary and so complete. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Can I get an amen? amen. Be not deceived, neither fornicators nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, or thieves, or covetous, or drunkards, nor revilers, or extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Are you in there, folks? Are you in that bracket? 
And such were. And such were some of you. But you are washed. But you are sanctified. But you are justified. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus, when you were baptized in his name. And by the spirit of our God, that's how you overcome. So you don't get good to get God. You get God and God makes you good. You don't perfect yourself. You don't hope that there's enough good to outweigh the bad. You come just as you are, embracing the cross, being baptized in Jesus' name and getting on the other side of the cross and then living a victorious life. We need to get on the backside of Calvary. I'm so glad we have a baptismal tank right here. Here it is. Temperature's warm. You're hoping I'm gonna fall in it? But this is our place. This is where we belong, on the backside of the cross. You see, when we're down here, Satan talks to us all the time. Hey, I know what you did. I've seen what you've done. I've heard what you've said about people. I know all about that. You know what the problem is? We're on the wrong side of the cross. We've stepped in front of God. Oh. I said we've stepped in front of God. He's the only one that should be on the front of the cross. We should be on the back of the cross. And if the attack is more than you can bear, here's a word from God for you today. You're on the wrong side of the cross. You're on the wrong side. You're up front. You're self-righteous. You're your own savior. How's that working out for you? How's that working in your mind? Ain't working so good, is it? But if you get on the backside of the cross, oh, let me show you. Uh, sorry, I didn't hear you. What did you say, G, uh, Satan? What were you talking about? Well, I was just reminding you of some of the things you've... Wait a minute. Do you see any blood between us and you, Satan? Do you see a cross between us? Do you see a savior between us? Do you remember the one who died for my sins, Satan? Hey, I got something for you. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo, ha, ha, ha. You can't get me because I got a savior. I'm under the blood. Hey, while you're here, let me talk to you just a little bit more. Would that be okay? You ain't so smart. If you were smart, you wouldn't have allowed him to die on the cross. You didn't know who he was. You thought you were winning by stirring up people against him, talking bad about him, calling for his crucifixion. 
You're a dummy. You lost because you didn't know who you were messing with. You're messing with the wrong guy. He beat you. And now I'm beating you because I'm behind him. Hey, you want to win, get behind a good, strong line. Get behind somebody that can handle the situation. Don't get out there in front where you can get shot at. When Jesus comes back and comes after the, uh, the Antichrist and his armies, where's Jesus going to be in the processional? He's going to be out front. You're not going to be out front. You're going to follow. That's what God intended for you to be. He intended for you to be a follower. He intended for the cross to prevail in your life. He wants you to take the cross with you everywhere you go. And I'm giving you a word from God today. If Satan is beating the snot out of you, it's because you're on the wrong side of the cross. Can you remember the day you were baptized in Jesus' name? It's been recorded. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. February the 28th, 1973, Richard Allen Kiley was baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of his sins. Right in the book of life. Because I'm on the backside of Calvary. Oh, can I do it just one more time, just for thrills? You can't touch me. Oh, I'm glad for a Savior. Let's stand together. He's a wonderful Savior to me. I want you to know something today. Today's your day. Today's your day. By his stripes. Listen, Satan, if you're still around, I got some more for you. And by his stripes. I am healed. And if we confess our sins, I'm making an altar call, so you just listen and let God speak to you. And if we embrace the cross, and if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. Embrace it. Get behind it and carry it. Onward, Christian soldiers, marching as to war with the cross of Jesus, going on before because his truth is marching on. Embrace the cross, get behind the cross, share the cross, and carry the cross. We have an opportunity today
to receive the mercy of God. What will you do with his cross in your life? Jesus, I pray today by your spirit that you would draw people to this altar. Lest we... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.